minus three is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. You get great odds and markets for Major League Baseball, the NFL. Oh, it's time to start doing those win total bets. The PGA Tour and oh so much more. Great new and existing user promos for you that make FanDuel America's number one sportsbook because it's easy to use and it's safe and secure and you get your winnings delivered in as quick as two hours. And of course, if there's a game being played, you can get a same game parlay on it. You combine multiple bets from the same game and you can discover the most popular same game parlays each day right when you log in. And as far as that goes, if you're new, download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started. Just make sure you sign up with the promo code MINUS3. It's the word MINUS, the number three, so they know we sent you. Let's get this one going. MINUS3 with Dave Damashek. Hi and hello sports fans and happy early Independence Day to you. Welcome to Minus 3. We have so much to get to. What are we to talk about here? Let's just jump right in here and see how far we can take this thing with our main man by way of New England now in LA. I still get confused by the by way of thing. Is he by way of New England and now he's in L.A. Um, set in Hollywood on fire with uh, with all his fancy writing stuff? It's Kevin Hench. What's the poop, fella? Oh, my God. We got so much to to unpack uh, uh, as this Fourth of July approaches. I will be unpacking in England on the 5th of July uh, with my family. I'm very excited. Uh, my eight year old and I have tickets to do the Harry Potter Studios tour in London Ooh. And uh, we we are gung ho, having just watched all eight movies again. Oh, so are, have you ever read the books? Well, this is the heartbreak for me. Like, you know, I've never read the books because my older daughter was like, "Not, no, thanks, Dad. Not interested. That's for nerds." And so then I I've really thought because Gigi is so into the movies, it's like it's going to be a gateway. We'll reverse engineer it. We'll get her into the books. And I was like, oh, man, we should get the books, read them on the plane to England. Like, this is going to be great. She's like, no, I'm going to take Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Oh, oh, okay. Well, not quite the literary colossus of of Harry Potter. But uh, anyway, so delighted for that. Going to buy a farm. And as you unpack, so too – the Pac-12 is – it's the unpacked 12 I guess. Oh, That's my God. That's a good place for I us mean, to it's start like, here. It's such a – the American shit show, it's like, you know, the fucking psychotics with assault weapons, the women already already dying with their ectopic pregnancies, the, the Supreme Court saying your kids can have toxic drinking water. Enjoy the leukemia, kids, because uh, the Supreme Court has said government – the government cannot pass laws. Is basically the new ruling of the Supreme Court is that is that the executive branch does not have the power to write the laws of the nation uh, or to, to, to in, in, enact the laws of the nation. And now the fucking Pac-12 just – disintegrating this is i mean the apocalypse is so upon us like what the fuck is it i i know it's all everything including the live tour it's just the pursuit of the almighty dollar at all times money 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 talks like and it's like it's so grim you know it's like you know when you grew up uh, with with the world a certain way you know marcus allen plays in the pac 12 or the pac 10 
you know, it's just grim. It's a bummer. It's all a bummer. Well, it, it, there is an irony as you connect the real world stuff that's happening in the Supreme Court versus what's happening in college football, because as the the overarching thing, if you're not, uh, you know, following the, the news very closely, basically everything is about state rights, state rights, regionality. And that's what is going away in college football. And it's what I loved about college football versus the other sports. Everything has its has its value to to my sports eye. Um, but the thing that distinguished college football from its big brother NFL was, like I say, the regionality of it and the specific styles that it yielded. You know, Florida, because of where they're located, were more inclined to thr- sling it around more and, and, and throw it all over the yard, just like the Pac-12 was or Pac-10 when we were growing up, uh, because the weather was better versus Big Ten football, where it was three yards and a cloud of dust. And as a result of that, or maybe informed by the people who were reared in those respective areas, um, it that style attracted kids from those regions of the country. If you were a big moose corn fed, fed kid, you probably went to Nebraska. Now it is, once again, highest bidder. And I'm not resentful of any individual kid who at 19 who's running into people on purpose and taking big collisions making a dime off of that himself but what the effect is going to be i feel like is that it's going to be a milder version a lesser version of the nfl which is to say i mean it's tracking that way already but you know everything's spread off and you don't have distinct styles in various conferences. So that's all going to go away. And just from a football perspective, that's that's a bit of a bummer for me. It's, you know, uh, you know, Saturday mornings in, in late October, you flip the TV on and you start the day and you see the steel gray sky and Ohio State toiling against a lesser uh, Big Ten foe. And then you get a juicy SEC game and, and you can feel the the weather down there and the colors and the pageantry of that part of the country. And then Later, you get out to sun-baked the Coliseum or Rose Bowl or otherwise. It, you know, you, you, you traverse Sports America without leaving your couch on a single Saturday. And now there's just gonna, we're going to be plagued by sameness. And, and I feel like I just thought we were on the precipice of an ascendant Pac-12, right? You know, like Lincoln Riley, like making, you know, destination, right? Like, uh, do you want to go play, uh, you, you know, our mom's going to let their sons go play for Nick Saban in a state where, you know, uh, their mom can't vote or are you going to come to the, the sweet paradise of sunny Southern California and get all those recruits. And by the way, re- just say it to the moms recruit. You're going to go, you're going to go play. You're going to go play for, uh, Greg Abbott in Texas. That's, that's the state you want to live in. Come out to dreamy SoCal. Let's go. And and so I, I just find it such a bummer. Like, Big Ten. Ugh. Uh, ugh. I don't know. Fucking Illinois-USC rivalry. What are we doing, people? It's so <laughs> hey, I, I'm a longtime Big Ten guy. And nothing like when the Terps play the Trojans. Love it. <laughs> Love that. When, so well, grim. Uh, Love when the Bruins roll into College Park for that ancient rivalry. Oh, that's going to be a gem. That's what Big Ten football is all about. Yeah, it's gross. Um, I think if you try to spin it in the positive, 
Um, and I, I completely get, obviously, I'm just talking about sports because we could do a three hour podcast and just talk about 2022 and what's happening politically and otherwise. But, you know, I think in college football terms, before you even consider what it means for college basketball, which is a mess anyway, because of their self-imposed uh, rules about the kids have to go there, but for just one year. And that's a, a whole mess. Um in and of itself, it's it's the only sport that you can really point at and say the current teams, the best teams would lose to the teams that existed 15, 20 years ago. I mean, what other sport would that possibly be true in? Maybe tennis, actually, now that I throw out what was intended as a rhetorical question. But anyway, um, I think when we've mentioned it here on the show before, if Texas a decade ago, when they were considering joining the Pac-10 then I think college football would be wildly different because you would have had four power conferences. A couple more teams would have spread around and the Pac-12 would be solidified by Texas's presence in that West Coast conference. And you would have four major conferences, not five. And then your final four would be self-evident. It would be the, the power four champs playing one another for the national title overall. I think that this get you in that direction a little bit. But then I also think it's kind of like, um, you know, satellite radio, you know, from terrestrial radio and then, oh, satellite radio is the future. Not really. It's just a placeholder till everybody moves over to podcasting. You know, they're, they're, it's just a middleman kind of a thing. I think these conferences are now such a mess and so spread out that you're going to wind up with, these are the teams eligible to play in this tournament every year without right. it's the, any you know, it, specific it's, conference, right? It's the uh, it's the Indiana high school basketball tournament. I don't know anybody. I don't like everybody's eligible. I right. don't know. I think it's, that's you know, going to be it, isn't it? Isn't that the way it's got to go? Milan. Now? Uh, yeah. So I, I mean, look, it's it's uh, it's just the latest bummer in an endless series of of bummers, uh, including. You know, Deshaun Watson, everything's a bummer. It's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. And yet, uh, happy 4th of July. Well, happy 4th of July. And the only thing I'll say about it is this. From a sports fan's perspective, if you don't care about these things, these these larger world things, just imagine if Clarence Thomas, this maybe will resonate more with the sports fan who doesn't care about, uh, you know, these things that extend beyond to hear us uh, us talk about these things. Just imagine if Clarence Thomas announced that going forward, you all now are Houston Texans fans. No, you, you have to be. And you have to wear the jerseys too. But I'm, that's just not for me. That's not what I believe. That's not who I root for. Well, now it is. And you must support that team, whether you like it or not. That, that's it. Th- those are the rules. One size fits all. Well, that- it's going to be interesting, And is you know, is as the Opus Dei ultra-Catholic court you know, rules basically like a church, um, you know, the Jewish faith recognizes the the fetus as part of the woman, I don't know, into the uh, almost into the third trimester, I think. Um, so there's going to be a big freedom of religion challenge to this ultra religious court. And this court's going to go, fuck off. You're not Catholic. They don't care. Like they're not going to go, gee, that's a great point. Uh, um, rabbi, uh, we're going to, we're going to honor that. Uh, cause they're like, no way we don't want a bunch of poor moms converting to Judaism so they can have abortions. Go fuck yourselves. 
Like it is, it's, it's Opus Day where it were in it, you know, Mitch McConnell pulled it off like bin Laden. I guess you tip your cap. I don't know what the fuck. It's a, it's such a fucking nightmare. And it, and we're in it. It's just on us. It's happening. They caught the car. The dog caught the car. This is, this is, these are all the worst policies you can imagine. Uh, and, and, uh, that's, that's what, that's what Mitch McConnell has wrought and, uh, and, and his buddy Donald Trump. And, and by the way, Vladimir Putin's return on investment is, it's going to be studied in business schools forever. Like it's so fucking incredible what he pulled off, um, you know, with, with that troll farm and just peeling away 12% of Bernie voters. He knew exactly what to do. And, uh, and here we are, here we are. True, true. And the, the, the one bit that I grabbed onto there was you mentioned Catholics. And so I do now turning it back to the college sports nightmare. Eddie Spaghetti as a representative uh, or a believer in Notre Dame, the preeminent Catholic college football powerhouse. How say you about all this stuff and where does Notre Dame fall in this? I guess it's ultimately good because once you lose a sense of regionality, you know, Notre Dame is America's national football team, right? Or is it, does it dent the institution a little bit? There was a great Amy Coney Barrett transition into this Notre Dame question for spaghetti, but anyway, go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think college football is trending towards a um, less of a conference based thing, less of a regional based thing and becoming more of a national, um, you know, just you could play any team you want to play. And I think in a weird way, you know, we're used to this, um, the having these rivalries, but I think some fans want to see these two powerhouse teams play each other in different conferences and that never gets to happen. I think Notre Dame, like I'm used to it at this point. I know Notre Dame coming up this year has a pretty tough schedule. They have to go to Ohio State. Uh, they're playing Clemson uh, at home. USC, which has been you know down in the last few years, is, is tough again and they're going to be uh, traveling to USC. So there are some tough games. So I'm used to Notre Dame traveling across the country, playing different teams. I know they have Texas down the road. I know they have Alabama scheduled down the road. They had Georgia the last few years. So like, you know, Notre Dame picks and chooses the, the, the big powerhouses of, you know, specific regions. I don't get why USC pushed for this to happen, which is of the reports. They're moving every uh, sport, but beach volleyball is being moved to the big 10. And this is uh, backed by USC, which again, like, you know, you, yeah, you I hate it. to be a cynic. I hate to be that kind of that kind of dipshit who just throws out that snorks. It's all about money, but it's all about money. That's sure. what it's about. But what I don't get is like you brought in Lincoln Riley, who is a great coach. You bring in Caleb Williams, who's going to be electric quarterback. You recruit r really well at certain things. What they don't recruit well at is the trenches and the lines. And if you watch, you know, like you said before, joking about it, uh, you know, everything in, in the Big Ten football is like you're playing 30 degree weather. It's gray out even in the beginning of September. You're running the ball three yards a pop and it's it's a tough physical brand of football that I don't think USC, at least for the next few years, if they're transfer, if they're moving to this conference in 2024, you're not going to have the recruits that are playing that kind of football. You're playing more of a spread offense with Lincoln Riley. To me, it makes no sense why you'd move there when you could win the Pac-12 and have a chance of being in the Final Four. But I think we're at the precipice of college football really being shaken up, whether it's the, with the NIL stuff that's and just moving saying. to a big power five right. thing. I, it's it's, it's going to change dramatically the next few years. The idea How that there are now going to be just these like this this will go away too. This will be this. This is a transitionary uh, period, I think. I think you'll I, I don't know exactly what it looks like, but basically a national league is what it's going to yes. wind up being. How is uh, how's Iowa's beach volleyball team looking <laughs> for this ball? 
Yeah, to Spaghetti's point, shouldn't USC be like, the one thing where we're, we're going to make hay in Big Ten, you ain't going to compete with our beach. We're going to hang some banners on the beach. <laughs> we have a beach. Uh, the beach volleyball is like, yeah, you guys know why we're not going, right? You get why we're not going? Can you? Anyway. <laughs> Uh, so, it's a, yeah, it's it, it's gross to me. I, and, you know, I'm I'm a rigid pain in the ass with like I don't like um, uh, people swoon. Like I know the network executives swoon over that when it's like Aaron Rodgers Packers are playing Tom Brady's Patriots. My my reaction to that was always like, well, who gives a shit? It's not, it doesn't count for the division or for the conference seating. So what do I, that's not, I, I know it's name brand guys playing each other. But that doesn't uh, hit the sweet spot for me. I like rivalries and all of that kind of stuff. This is just going to do away with all those. The only thing it does allow for one very specific one where Notre Dame's concerned. Come on, come on, Irish schedule. Brian Kelly's LSU Bayou Tigers, ASA and P let's get that one going at minimum. I don't I feel like college football had like, you know, you had the rivalries, the conference rivalries, and then occasionally you'd get a you'd get a matchup where you're like, oh, wow, those teams don't play very often. And it would be cool. Um, and and now it's I don't know. It just doesn't feel like any anything will feel very special. It's That's like, exactly right. It's diminishing returns. Baseball. I, I don't even know why they continue with that. I'm sure some marketing person in MLB could tell me, like, look at the numbers. They can't be denied. But to, to my eye, I, again, being unique is not a bad thing. As I always say, as we go into the wiener, wiener eating contest that marks July 4th these days, um, you know, a hot dog, people say, is it a sandwich or is it not? It's its own thing. It's like chili. You can't categorize it. It, it is defined. It is a one of one. And um, just as college football had its own specific uh, appeal, baseball, it was it was bizarre that you had one league have the DH and the other one didn't. I, I, I loved how weird that, that weird um, unsettled um you know, debate was for, for decades. And also baseball was cool because you never saw, I remember to my young eye, look at it, It's like, look at that. The Yankees are on the same field as the Dodgers. Look how weird that looks. You never see that because you ne literally never did see it all through the regular season. It was cool for a minute when they needed to revive baseball that you had interleague play. Now what's the value of it? Who who gives a shit? Nobody bats an eye at it, but at least it was cool that you that, that there was this whole other league and they had different, literally different rules that went on in, in creating your one through nine lineup. And then it would meet and, and like, who the hell is this? How are we going to know what style is going to win out? That's what was great about college football. I don't know. Look at those big brawny dudes coming in from Ohio State. They're going to be able to handle the Hurricanes high-flying style? Only one way to figure it out. Let them go head-to-head. -head. Now we'll know the answer to that by mid-September every year. It's, not, it's, not, it's just not as much fun. Hey, because it is hot dog season... Yeah. As we look at the sports schedule, uh, just finished a great read, uh, you know, about 900 pages called Deep Nutrition. It's a, it's a doorstop. It is a it is a long slog. But uh, I was thinking about this irony, you know, when we were, I mean, whatever, our whole lives, people are like, do you know what hot dogs are made out of? Do you know what goes into hot dogs? Like it's like intestines 
and lips and like all the unused parts. Like that's what you're eating in a hot dog. So this book, Deep Nutrition uh, by Dr. Kate Shanahan, uh, by the way, a lot, a lot of adherence to her program, including the Lakers, um, not the current Lakers as much as the successful ones. But uh, so so in her book, she makes it very clear that the ancient civilizations that never had any cancer and never had any cavities, uh, you know what part of the animal they ate? The whole fucking thing. They would hmm. they would they would take that intestine and they would have contests where where you and I would get on the opposite end of an intestine like a like a weird tug of war and see who could get to the flag in the middle first. Like these guys would be just chugging intestine with like fecal matter in it. Like great for you. It's all great. It's all great. So you know, I was like listening to Dr. Kate and I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, intestines and lips. This is what we need to be eating. And that what nobody, I mean, you would think after all the evidence, people would be understanding this finally. Like, you know what's killing, you know, what's killing Kobayashi? You know what's killing Chestnut? The bun. The bun. Like, the, the bun is by so far and away the most poisonous part of, of the hot dog tradition. Uh, so go forth, enjoy your lips, enjoy your intestines, enjoy your your anuses, uh, just don't eat the bun, guys. Come on. It's 2022. Well, we just on Extra Points spoke with the aforementioned Joey Chestnut, and I advocated again, and he hasn't taken me up on it, although he, he seems to appreciate the spirit of it. If you're going to do this thing, Chestnut, intimidate your foes and show that you're spiritually right and you're the you're the the main man, the goat of eating competitions, by eating for pleasure, order a thick chocolate shake and gravy fries next to your hot dog. I mean, the competition's over before it even begins then. Like, that, like, who is this dude? Like, he's, wait, he's eating gravy fries along with his wiener, you know? Wait, does he do it during the competition? Yes, yes. Oh, God, all right. Wait, wait, well. we can't start, we can't start. I need a, I need... A shake or maybe a float. Give me a couple scoops of vanilla in my root beer. Wrap some bacon around my wieners. You know, if you please. Well, you know how I I, I feel about showboating. Uh, I'm not a fan. <laughs> not a fan of rubbing the other team's nose in it. Uh, what what would Chick Hearn say? Like the mustard fell off the hot dog. Like literally, he he would he could cost himself trying trying to three sixty dunk his fries and a chocolate shake. That's, that's it. I, I'm glad, I'm glad he rejected it. I'm glad. Like Agassi. Sometimes style over substance is a thing and worthwhile. And you can make a dime off of that uh, to our point that that's what is most important. Tin cup, tin cup should have laid up. You got to lay up there. <laughs> Don't you impugn Arnie Palmer. I like people who put the foot on the gas at all times. What do you think though? Uh, you touch on it in rivalries and all that. Where are you in in uh, the year of the Lord 2022? Do you like seeing your arch rival? You're a Boston Celtics guy. Do you like seeing the Lakers go through it at this point? Or are you a believer that like, yeah, the rivalry only matters as long as both of us are good? Yeah, I mean, I, I just have enjoyed the hell out of the the Laker struggles and and just love. Uh, I mean, I really enjoyed winning time. You know, it's there's enough distance that I can enjoy that the the Showtime Lakers. You know, that incredible story. Um, but right now, in fact, all of last year 
it's it, the way it would work out timing wise. It was like Heather would go to do Gigi's bedtime and I would, I caught so many fourth quarters of the Lakers games and it was just always like a perfect, you know, nightcap, just like a little, little, uh, after dinner drink, watching the Lakers suck in the fourth quarter. Like you don't have to guard Russell Westbrook. You've got two players who are so ball dominant. They don't, you know, they don't, can't play well together. Uh, it was just such a mess. You know, is Anthony Davis going to be less fragile moving forward as he gets older? Like it just like, it's, you're, you're so trapped. And then I really enjoyed the moment where it seemed like Kyrie Irving was trying to engineer his way to the Lakers. Like, Oh my God, like that, that would have been delightful. So I I'm, they would, they all have to be miserable for a lot longer for me to stop enjoying their misery. To start missing them. Right. Where, what happened to you? Yes. I, that's interesting. I, you know what I thought was a telling thing, right? Same uh, in the last seven days, Kyrie, it looks like that's going to happen. Then he says, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll just uh, go back to Brooklyn. Um, but what's weird to me, I don't know if this is a Angelino specific sort of reaction to this, but the news that John Wall is breaking ties with the Rockets and then immediately turning around because he, he's going to go to the Clippers that nobody bats an eye about that in NBA circles that I've noticed at least that is like, Wait, you want to go to L.A. but not the Lakers is is a funny thing. Like, oh, yeah, the Clippers are where it's at. I, You know, that transition of that started with Darius Miles and, and Q Richardson. And then you thought Chris Paul and Blake Griffin were going to get over and it never really took. It feels like without success, really, on, you know, deep playoff runs. I know the bubble Lakers and all that, but they're such a mess. I feel like now, like it's it's settled hash, you know, going forward. If you don't care about history and, you know, 25 year old athletes don't typically care about what happened 25 years ago, um, that the Clippers are where it's at now. That I mean, if I, I there's more that goes into it than, than just that. But I, I feel like that's kind of telling And the Clipper. The Lakers should be real depressed at this point. They're like, yeah, John Wall wants to come to L.A. and play for the other team. Well, I guess I take a dissenting view uh which is the team that gets John Wall should be depressed. What if you bring him off the bench? How scary uh, is that? Well, well, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I guess I'll see if he ever contributes to anything positive happening in his basketball career. I'm still scarred. Loathe these many, many years later. I had a significant amount of money invested in in Kentucky when they had John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, and uh, they were the game they lost to West Virginia in the tournament. They were trailing at the half. West Virginia had not made a two point basket. They had not made a two point basket in the first half, and 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 John Wall and DeMarcus managed to uh, to flame out in that tournament. Cost me money, and then John that Wall was Pitsnoggle, right? It's Noggle, yeah. And then John Wall, like, you know, whatever. He's just one of these guys. I feel this way about Harden. Like, hey, like, look, puts up a lot of numbers. Like, yeah, no indication that it's going to help you win a title. I, I, In fact, you know, I was going back and forth with more knowledgeable basketball students this morning. And it's like, I'm like, would you, like, this idea that James Harden is like, hey, man, I'm willing to uh, not take that $47 million because I want to help this team win now. Oh, great. Could you please sign with someone else? I mean, how committed are you <laughs> to helping us win now? Because if you really want to help us win, could you just go play for someone else? Because I mean, so is the idea that James Harden's going to get better defensively 
as he moves into his mid thirties, like he's going to care more on defense. Like he can't, you know, he just, I mean, watching these, these four for 17s, seven turnovers, like I don't, I cannot discern how that guy gets you closer to the promised land. Um, so, you know, I love the fact that these teams are stuck with these guys, uh, you know, that, that Kyrie's back for 36 million. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, and it's like, it's funny in a, in a conference with Giannis and, you know, I've said it many times on this podcast, if Middleton's doesn't get hurt, not only do the Bucks win the East, but they win the title like that, that they're, they're, they lost their second best player. Um, and and still push the Celtics to seven games, but uh, yeah. So I don't I don't see um, any combat. Kyrie, Jason Tatum, sh- pretty much neutralized Durant in that sweep. I mean, Durant shot thirty nine percent and turned the ball over five and a half times a game. Uh, so I don't see you know a slightly older Durant and Kyrie. That I wouldn't be worried about that if I was the Bucks. And then I'd also say even though it's a it's a Murray's a great player, and that's a that's a, an incredible acquisition for the Hawks. This thing of like now we have two completely ball dominant players who are going to play together, and it's like I don't that usage calculation. I don't well well maybe this will be the time it works, but I just think your team has to be built. Here's our creator. Here are our guys that fan out to the corners, and here's here's how we you know because. Now, I guess Trey Young's going to be watching part of the time. Like he's going to do that Harden and Chris Paul thing. When Chris Paul was standing uh, on the wing watching James Harden dribble, it didn't work. It's not. So anyway, I feel like uh, all these offseason moves uh, are going to make me bet on the Bucs to win the East next year. I think that's probably a smart play. And um, to your point, it's, it's why you hear coaches prattle endlessly about hey playing for the guy next to you and playing for the team and you know that why that has to that that lame it feels so lame from the outside it's like all right hardo settle down but it it does matter that if you are the man at every level and then you get to the highest level and you're still the man if you're trey young or other or, or kd or otherwise that ability to be like for this season, the, the the maturity level of like you got to get yours to establish 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 yourself at the highest level, but then at some point you have to become deferential to succeed, and only the teams that are able to do that um, succeed. And but I do think that now you throw John Wall in there, and obviously he's a dominant figure wherever he goes, you know, for better or worse, um, in terms of you know uh, needing the ball in his hands and all of that. I do wonder now, do the Clippers present as the team to beat in the West? And by the way, the other thing is, too, as fast as the news cycle goes, the one other thing I want to say about who would have gotten to the finals. You know what is a story that came and went pretty quick? The Suns, as it turns out, had a COVID scare and some of the guys had COVID and that's what happened in game seven to them. This is an underreported story, isn't it? I don't think there's another team out there that didn't advance in the playoffs in any of the four major sports that I can think of because they had COVID. Or unless I'm missing one. That's that would explain the 27 first half points. Oh, so uh, if you didn't even hear that, then that proves my point. I mean, that was the thing that came out like two or three weeks after the series ended. Like, oh, as it turns out, yeah, there were it, it swept through the locker room. And that's well, why they you know, showed that game. There, there's there's there are different tests, right? There's the antigen test, there's the PCR test, 
And then there's the, did you reach 30 points in the first half test? <laughs> oh, you're over or under positive. 19 would be the, I think that's the way it should be. You're right? definitely positive. Hey, we had a, we had a crazy thing in, in my house. So, you know, and I don't know, I don't know where you guys are at ducking and dodging with the high rates. And, but so, uh, we make it through the school year. Neither kid, neither kid pops positive for the whole school year. Like, wow. Okay. You know, and Heather and I are like, we're, we're ready. We're ready. Whatever, whatever happens, we're, we're ready. And I said to Heather, like, we're not making our eight year old isolate. Like if she gets it, we're going to get it. We're not going to go, Oh, we're going to slip a tray of food under your door. Like fucking kid will be terrified. Like, obviously we're going to cuddle with her and, and accept the fact that we're going to get COVID. So, uh, Sophie goes to a sleep, uh, a sleepover the day after eighth grade graduation comes home, gets gets the the notification that that one of the two girls at the sleepover, three girls in the same bed, is positive. Oh, and mm. by the way, her dad had it. And so then Heather gets a little bent out of shape that we didn't know that. And I'm like, well, what would we have done? Said like, don't go, you can't go to your sleepover because her dad had like, we can't, we can't live like this. Like, it's like, go live your life. So then Sophie, it was very funny because I mean, I'm sure like, I'm sure you guys have had the same experience where it's like, you know, are you symptomatic? I've been symptomatic for two and a half years. Like I keep thinking this is it. This is it. <laughs> I, oh, my God. My throat. My throat. I can't sleep. Oh, my God. It's 100 degrees in here. This is it. This is it. I've never tested positive. Like I've there have been 50 times where I'm like, well, I'm in the barrel. This has got to be it. So Sophie had to sleep. What's well, that wiggle room, though, that has created the uh, people? It gives people the room to say, ah, it's overblown and I don't need to get this and everything else because of how it varies within your own home. Everybody, I mean, it's crazy. Yes, to your point, my oldest daughter, Oprah, got it and no one else did. Meantime, my parents over in Pittsburgh, they both did get it. So how it uh, you know, gets passed on within those, in well, those circles and how deeply so, it impacts you once you have it. That variation is why people are like, Oh, come on. This is, this isn't well, as big a deal. So we have the exact it. same experience. Sophie test pot is symptomatic and she's symptomatic for a while before she tests positive, which is not particularly helpful. You know, like everyone's like, Hey, you got your negative test. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything because this person's definitely carrying the virus. They're not going to test positive for several days. Anyway, she's symptomatic, finally test positive. And then we're like, oh, okay, well, here we are having our chicken pox party, having dinner together, being in the car together, <laughs> the eight-year-old and the 14-year-old watching movies on the couch together, like no mitigation, zero. Hmm. None of us get it. <laughs> None of us get it. So we're all ready to get it. And then she, poor Sophie has to suffer solo. And we're like, I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, you know, and then it's like viral load. Uh, anyway, so uh, we did we did have that experience. But if if Sophie, Gigi, Heather and I, I don't know, give us John Wall, the five of us would have scored more than 27 fucking points in a playoff game. I mean, they must have had they must have had serious COVID, which does explain that performance. Well, whether or not Devin Booker had it or otherwise, it doesn't sound like going into the future. DeAndre Ayton's going to have to worry about that because they can't figure things out as true low post fives get 
phased out, at least in the short term of pro basketball. Hench and Spaghetti, do you want to get give a guess to let's see? I, I let's pretty easy to guess who number one would be. Have you guys reviewed the odds for the NBA 2023 champion? Have no. you seen them already? I I have. Unless they were unless they were um, an Easter egg in any of the eight Harry Potter movies I've watched this week. I have. Oh, no- what a time I took. I took Oprah. Uh, she went through her Harry Potter phase two summers ago. She read all the books and watched all the movies and everything. And she and I went to Universal in L.A. And that immersive experience is great. I love Star Wars more than I love Harry Potter by leaps and bounds. But I got to say. Uh, I won't say it too loudly because I don't want to offend Boba Fett or anybody, but the immersive experience at the Harry Potter world is better than the Star Wars one. It's great. So whatever you're getting in London, um, I, uh, I, I, should I tip book my hat to you as a father. I should bookend it with the Universal thing. Yeah, oh, oh, okay. it, it really is great. If you have a kid who loves that, uh, who loves Harry Potter stuff, you should go check that out. So All right, know, so let's no, see how- I don't know the, the, any of the odds, but if you know, if I had to guess based on the way it usually works, uh, that I would say the Warriors are the favorite. That's correct. You can get the Warriors at five at plus five fifty. So that would be correct. Can you guess number two? It's a tie. Two teams ha- are at plus six hundred right now. The Bucks, yes. All right, and the Celtics. That's correct. Now let's see if you can take it one further here. Who's number four? Sixers. Guess what? It's the Los Angeles Clippers at plus six fifty. Oh, how about that? Wow, wow. I mean, you know. We got to assume Kawhi's injury was catastrophic, right? I mean, how how long can you be out and then and then the bookmakers assume, oh, he'll be fine? That's what, what that I know about the uh, about uh, that kind of health stuff. I'm not sure, but if you're optimistic that I mean, you know in what is finally swinging now, and it's not like the West is now bereft of talent or anything, but it does feel less predictable and that you know definitely who's going to be good. And the Lakers were, you know, almost always um, over the last 30 years, one of those power players in the Western Conference. It really does feel like I'm surprised that Luca's gang isn't higher up there based on the performance, even though you feel like, boy, he's a one man kind of wrecking crew there. That's a fun debate. And we can Dig more into that as the summer unfolds here because football's getting closer, Hench. But let's talk about the other championship we just saw um, within the last week. That is the Colorado Avalanche getting over on the Tampa Bay Lightning. I tip my hat to you, Kevin Hench. You have long been touting that that collective from Denver. They did complete the feat. I was spooked after they didn't take care of business. A mile high, which practically should and often does impact visiting teams. A team that looked gassed in in the Tampa Bay Lightning in the way they went out in game four, I thought, well, that's it. The, I'm going to be right in having predicted the Avs in, in five games. Um, oh, they, they didn't win that game? Well, then now all bets are off, and now maybe the Lightning are going to end up getting their third in a row. The Avs complete the feat. How say you, muzzle tub on your big victory and your council? Um, What's your reaction to it? 
Uh, well, my immediate couple thoughts, you know, I thought, you know, what Cooper said about the, his feelings about this edition of the lightning was so spot on. Like I just kept going like, why are you guys playing so hard? Like, aren't you gassed? What is going on? Like, it was incredible. It was incredible. I mean, obviously I didn't watch it, but I remember when the, all the stories and specials about, um, the Celtics going into LA in 69, you know, the one they're not supposed to win and those balloons are not coming down. Bill Russell says those balloons are not coming down. And it's like, no, 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 the balloons are coming down. It's over old man. And like, I kept, there were so many moments against the Maple Leafs, against the Rangers, sorry, spaghetti, uh, where you're like, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a great run. You've played over 70 games. You've played an entire extra season over the course of three seasons. You've played 70 extra games in these runs. It's, it's fine to be tired. Nope. Fourth line, they're fourth line dominating shifts. Like they're, they're four checking. They're just skating like crazy. So I was completely impressed and amazed uh, by what the lightning, how much they were willing to give, you know, Kucherov is being double shifted at the end. He's just, you know, he's, they're throwing everything they have at it. Uh, you know, the lightning, uh, the avalanche were the better team. And that I think, you know, was born out over the course of the six games, but the one thing that I definitely felt, we've talked about it a lot, when we compare our sports, our seasons, and, you know, we know, like, football's king, and then you just start going down, you know, fewer and fewer people give a shit, and then you get to hockey, and you've got your sliver of fans, but nothing is close to as exciting as the end of a hockey playoff one-goal game when that team pulls the goalie, gets the extra skater, and gets control of the puck in the zone. So a lot of stuff has to go right. And, you know, sometimes that empty netter happens right away. You know, a giveaway in the neutral zone and the, and the game's over. But when they manage to get the goalie off and then they get it into the zone and then Hedman has the puck at the point, it's like, oh, my God. And then uh, uh, was it Landeskog skate? Glendiscog's skate blade gets exploded. He's crawling off the ice. I How mean, often does that ever happen? I, oh. I mean, I watch, I, you know, I watch somewhere in the range of not including the playoffs, even. I watch 120 hockey games. How often do you see that happen in a game that that happens in the final couple of minutes as they're trying to complete the feat? And then he's trying to get off the ice. And I, and I'm like, I mean, yeah, it never happens. So you're like, well, the coach and his loafers can actually walk on the ice. Like, why can't you get off the ice? Like, is it <laughs> what happened? Couldn't you just kind of like, you know, peg leg get off the ice? He's being helped off the ice. Definitely another too many men penalty as they have 14 guys on the ice trying to get this guy off the ice. Although a little would have been a little harsh to call it given the circumstances. Um, but, you know, so obviously I was rooting for the avalanche for financial reasons. But just an incredibly thrilling to the last second effort from the champs that, you know, is why when you lift that fucking trophy over your head, that is the most gratifying victory in sports. There's nothing like it, you know. And, you know, when I, I'm such a softy, when I see the 14-year vet finally get, get his name on the cup, like I'm a mess. I'm a mess. It's fantastic. It really is uh, right. It's second to none. And by the way, that's a subcategory that I don't know if we've covered it, but we have talked about it on a minus three. I don't know if you've taken a bite of that apple hench, but um, 
in-game moments that indicate this game is over, even though there's still time remaining in the game moments. I think the empty net goal is probably, it's right there. I can't decide what I like best. I, I don't like as a, a, a diehard of, of certain teams. I get the iconic moment of we won in overtime to win the championship is cool, but it's also cool to have a moment to savor the championship while there are still some seconds left on the clock. Basketball, they that moment is pulling the starters off the floor to get applause. In hockey, it's hitting the empty net with 32 seconds to go to go up a couple of goals. This game is over and we can begin the celebration. I still go victory formation, though. You know that your your team has the ball. The other team just used all four of its downs to try and keep the game going. But now it's back to your team. And there are you need to snap the ball one more time and the game is over. And the QB goes into victory formation and the running back or good hands guy sets up 10 yards deep behind him. I think that's the single most satisfying moment when your team's well, about to win in game. If you're looking for other premature moments that signal that the game is over, where you could actually make some money, because uh, that's what we're here for ultimately, is to help people make money, but not on the live tour. You know, just here here in America, make some money. By the way, I, I, we do need to dedicate five minutes every week. We can't be part of the let's just move on. We got five minutes. We got like spaghetti can put it in the rundown every week in perpetuity. We need to talk about these fucking scumbags because like I thought the 9-11 families, you know, the letter I thought was very poignant, uh, very well put, thanking the players who are not traitorous scumbags uh, for sticking with the PGA Tour. Um, hey, Nike. Hey, TaylorMade. Hey, Titleist. Hey, Ping. Hey, Callaway. When you sponsor these scumbags, just know that the 9-11 families are on this side of the issue and your guys uh, that have your logo on their visor are on the opposite side of the issue from the 9-11 families. So now I know DJ and Patrick Reed and Brooks Kepka don't give a flying fuck about Jamal Khashoggi getting chopped up, but maybe... Maybe one of those 2,977 victims on 9-11, maybe there's a name in there that uh, might tug at their heartstrings. I can't imagine a fucking corporation sponsoring one of these pieces of shit. Go like, oh, Nike, you're, you're, uh, you're pro-terrorism. Okay, well, then I guess I don't have to buy Nikes. That's cool. That's cool. Keep, you know. I, I want this to be such a fucking dead end. None of these guys had anyone on their team who could see the big picture, who could counsel them. I mean, God bless Rocket Mortgage for pulling its sponsorship of Bryce of uh, DeChambeau. Um, there just needs there needs to be a flood. Anyway, set the timer for next week. We need to do five minutes on these scumbags every week in perpetuity because they really, in a in a world filled with pieces of shit. They are the ultimate pieces of shit. These live to uh, You know, ultimate night. Well, I, you know, the actual choppers up of another human being probably no, but, trump them. But, but, in, but our I, 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 in our world I of sports, in our world of sports. I take your, obviously I take your point in them and, and you're preaching to the choir when you, you talk to me about this. It What's weird is how easy it is to vacate. I'm talking as a fan. I'm not talking about as a, as one of the guys on the live tour. It is funny how dodgy it gets when 
when it reflects what you believe versus what you don't believe. You know, nobody ever, I, I really never heard anything about Tim Tebow taking a knee, and he would do that in games in the end zone, but you heard a ton about Kaepernick taking a knee um, and how that was offensive to people. Um, and it's funny because, or weird because, for all the platitudes, you're a, you're, you're a writer, if you have forgotten that, Hench, and, you know, you create stories, and they all have, um, you know, higher meaning, what's behind, um, you, you know, the moment you, you, you have to, you don't have to, it, it has greater meaning for the character who, whose story you're telling, and heroism and all that, and it just is vacated for dollars. It's a weird place that we've reached. That I, and I get that capitalism and, again, and people and again, fall back on that, but it's at the cost of everything else. At the cost of everything, it's again, it, it is a strange I, spot. As to I be stressed in. over and over again, if if your only way to feed your family is to work for Mohammed bin Salman, I get it. If you're already rich, you're already rich. It's it is it is just uh, a, right. a vacuous hole where their character is supposed to be. Uh, steroids, back- steroids for a borderline MLB player. I have no beef with um, a guy who has a big ego who feels forgotten for five minutes. That's another matter entirely. Yeah, OK, that's right. well, I'm glad you bring up uh, the damage, the, the needle and the damage done, because I want to make this defense of steroids. I, 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 oh, I've said it before. OK. At least because of the nature of baseball, when you are pumping yourself full of Androstine Dion or Decadurbalin, you're helping your team. I mean, you're being a good teammate. There's no way to argue that, you know, taking whatever risk that is, um, isn't going to help your team when, you know, Sammy Sosa goes from an, an above average player to an MVP. That's helping your team. Okay. So... Let's talk about selflessness and selfishness. Okay. In the 2018 World Series, Nathan Navaldi on short rest has to come in in game three against the Dodgers because the game goes into extra innings and we don't have any pitchers. The Red Sox are in a crisis. So a guy who's had his shoulder reconstructed twice already comes in on short rest The game goes 18 innings. It's the longest World Series game in history. He throws 97 pitches on a rebuilt shoulder on short rest because he's a great teammate who will leave his arm on the mound to help his brothers win a championship. That's what, that's the covenant. That's what we're supposed to be doing. You're a band of brothers. Now let's go to the other end of the spectrum. And let me just say, the 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 other side of what you're talking about is, did you ever hear in the height of the steroid era and these gargantuan numbers, did you ever hear about a single Pittsburgh Pirate juicing? Shame on you, buckos. Shame on you. No one was committed to victory. And while everybody else lamented guys taking the spike, I I lamented the buckos avoiding it. Shame on you all. We may have been in last place, but we were clean. Um, (laughs) So the other end of the spectrum, so you got... Nate Aldi, selfless hero. I will end my career tonight to help this team win the championship. On the other end is Tanner Houck, current Red Sox closer, will not get a jab 
that everybody's eight-year-old has gotten, that billions of people have gotten, that is has no risk. I, I can't, I don't even know who's, who is counseling him? Who, what fucking lunatic, who's, what is his team? Like, what are they talking about, 5G? What, the point is, hey man, guys, I would do anything for this team except get a fucking harmless jab so I can pitch in Toronto. So what happens in game two of their three-game series against the Blue Jays? What one run one run lead in the ninth? Hey, we don't have our closer and we just lost. Then the next day, because selfish Tanner Houck still back stateside on the uh, QAnon eight uh, chan message boards, the next day still don't have our closer because he he he'll do anything for the team except literally anything. So we still don't have our closer. Uh, so so Strom, who's like a lefty specialist, he has to pitch two innings. And he throws 41 pitches and we somehow carve out a 7-6 win, even though he gave up two runs in the 10th. But, you know, so he's at 41 pitches. What if he needs uh, a ro- new rotator cuff? Like, does Tanner Howe give a shit? The point is, I'm not going to get the jab because I could give a flying fuck about you guys. And you remember when we were growing up, I know, Spaghetti's too young. But when we were growing up, Spaghetti, there were fights in the clubhouse all the time. I mean, a, a week did not go by where <laughs> Rich Gossage and Cliff Johnson were not throwing punches in the clubhouse. Like guys just existed with the red ass. They were pissed off all the time. You know, if you looked at them sideways, it, there was a fight between teammates in the clubhouse. And I'm like, it, when when the Sox get back to the States, is someone going to fucking beat the shit out of this guy? Like, is somebody going to go, hey, I don't know if you followed us. I don't know if you followed the games while we were in the Great White North. We really could have used you, buddy. And uh, you remember the blanket party from Bad Boys? We're going to put some fucking soda cans in a blanket or in a pillowcase and uh, just beat the shit out of you because we, we're going to show the level of contempt for you that you've shown for us. That's, 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 that's how I wish that would go. It's an exceptional point. And you're you're spot on, and I appreciate the shout out to we're in the minority. That bad boys is better than, and I like the Will Smith, um, Martin Lawrence bad boys, the original at least. But the bad boys with young Sean Penn. Quick detour into baseball. You know, this baseball season, you can turn K's into cash and big hits into big wins with FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. You just sign up, place your first bet, and FanDuel is going to give you $1,000 back in free bets. If you don't win FanDuel, we tell you all the time about why it's so great, including these great promos that are available daily. Plus, it's safe and secure. You get paid fast. In other words, there's no better place to bet America's pastime than on America's number one sportsbook. Just download the sportsbook, the FanDuel Sportsbook app, and make sure you use that promo code MINUS3, the word MINUS the number three, and we'll see you in the winner's circle. And now a quick break. Now, uh, the thing I brought, the reason I brought up the Stanley Cup uh, uh, 38 minutes ago is because I wanted your reaction. I think this is the all, this is an all-time example of the residents of Mount Pius getting involved in something that is just so irrelevant. And in fact, I actually support what this guy did. Beat writer, for the Colorado Avalanche, Mike Chambers. 
he travels with the team, presumably. He bounces off these guys in the locker room. He knows a lot of these guys. Landeskog, obviously, he's known for a long time. Nate McKinnon and beyond. Any long-timer from the Avs. These are his pals. And, you know, you cover a team long enough. The idea that you should repress your humanity, your your emotions, and be happy for those guys, but also... You know, you you came up in your first job was you were covering the Red Sox for, a, you know, a, a small newspaper and otherwise. This idea, this 20th century notion that you must remain objective about the team you're covering. And it's not even I say 20th century. First of all, you feel a lot of prominent voices in sports now wearing their freak flag. Like, yeah, that's right. I root for this team. But also it dates back to the best, most iconic broadcasters uh, that we're alive even before we walked the big blue marble and into our lives. Like Myron Cope was obviously in the bag for the Steelers, but it didn't keep him from being objective about how he felt about how they were going to perform in a given game or against a certain opponent. Um, and, you know, Harry Carey and, you know, list goes on and on with Homer. Uh, what was your guy, Johnny Most? Um, yeah. And Tommy Heinsohn, that was a better day, really, to, to my ear. If you're a provincial fan, that's what you want. But Mike Chambers, beat writer, hoisted the cup. Oh, oh my God. The the you know, how how dare we? Oh, the humanity for for him. A photograph making the rounds of Mike Chambers and his peers attacking him on social media and beyond, like, well, he should be fired for that. He can't. I mean, now he's now he's uh, in the bag for the team. How can we trust his word going forward? How say you on this? I am steamed about the idea that you would that you would. You know what? Give up your job then. Don't, your your job is hereby wasted on you if you're not able. What what did you you came up in? A, were you siloed for your childhood? Like like Rapunzel? Were you Rapunzel and you you didn't experience anything? You you just uh, divine. Uh, uh, luck dropped you being a beat writer of a hockey team into your lap in your adult years. What the hell are we doing? Of course you should be a fan of the team. If you want to be a journalist, then move to Washington, D.C. and start covering what's going on politically. You're a sports writer. Act like it. You're allowed to enjoy sports, for Christ's sake. Well, it, it, it's your your right to be steamed. Um my first journey into the Red Sox press box, I I got reprimanded. For, for exclaiming, uh, and, and it was, they were playing the A's, and it was a an A's beat writer that came over to, to, to reprimand me and scold me for exclaiming in the press box, and the best part of it was he showed me his badge. He had a, a BBWA, <laughs> a BBWA, like, your badge says BBWA. Is that, are you into chubby chicks? What is this BBW on your, I don't know what this is. I'm 21 years old. I don't know what you're, you're accusing me of. So he's like, Hey man, watch it. And I look around and it's a fucking, you know, you've seen the, it's just bank after bank of sad, dead faces whose lives just didn't turn out. God bless uh, Mike Chambers. You said is his name. God bless yeah. him for, uh, giving a shit about hockey, understanding how lifting that trophy is different than, than all the other trophies. But so there's three camps, right? There are these, there are these guys who are, who are neutral. They're like, Hey man, just the facts. I'm a, 
I'm just a vessel through which the facts travel to your doorstep in the newspaper. Just the facts. Neutral, neutral, neutral. Then you have presumably my chambers who's like, I want the avalanche to win to your point. I like these guys. Like I cover them. I'm, I'm, I want, I want to raise the cup. Like that, that's, that seems more enjoyable to read the people that I don't understand. And this guy was a dick to me. No surprise. Anyone who's ever met him guys like Dan Shaughnessy who fucking hate it. They hate it. They hate, they hate every player they've ever covered. They want the team. They, they love it when the teams lose, like, why did you get into this business? You clearly hate the Boston teams. You hate the individuals who populate the Boston teams. You're toxic and poisonous, and you and you think you're being objective, but you're actually just on the other side of non-objectivity. Um, so again, this is settled law, right? Our our friend Bill Simmons said, I think people would rather hear their sports from a, an honest homer. Like I'm, a, you know, like I, here's who I root for. I'm going to be honest about it. Everything I write will be from the point of view of, I hope the Red Sox and Celtics win. And I hope that the, the Lakers and Yankees lose, you know who I am. And so, you know, so the people who hate the Red Sox, they, they weigh in too. They're like, oh, you're such a homer. And it, yes, I am a homer. And it's like, it seems more fun for everybody. And I would I would argue that in, in terms of market forces, Bill Simmons has won that argument. That argument is over. That argument so is over. I think that's well said too. It really threads the needle. And of course, the point I always go back to and – um, you know, Sal and, and Spaghetti will say I'm biased to the point of not seeing clearly. Well, I, I definitely have a point of view that I have a rooting interest in this, but that doesn't because I'm, I'm not a nine year old. So I'm capable of insulting my teams. And in fact, as I always point out to people who has a better handle, uh, Kevin Hench on what's going down with his Boston teams or the national um, peer who is addressing 30 teams at one time. Of course, you see the warts of your team and can identify them. The issue is when the people are like, how dare you insult my team? That's disrespect, bro. Those people are problematic that you're, that you can't permeate the bubble. That's not true of you. Certainly you go out of your way. In fact, to criticize your teams. And so do I, um, I, I I'm able again, as I always say, the difference, there's a difference between what I want to see happen and what I think is going to happen. And maybe if that ever, if that ever um, one side or the other wins out, it's usually I, the pessimism for my team comes out, not support for my teams. You think that's not true, Spaghetti? You think I, I, I mean, when do I? I wasn't shaking my head at that. Don't worry. Uh, I was shaking my head at uh, the uh, the NBA odds being moved like crazy because of what. Oh, I thought going you were tis tisking well, me and calling me a liar. Yeah, he was okay. shaking his head because the Michael Carbajal fight dates that he sent to him <laughs> are not. They're not. We'll work it out. We'll work it out. But I went on the undercard to Levy and Bell and Adrian Peterson. That's all. Check the one place we know none of us, because of our bias, can see what is happening in front of our eyes is the officiating. We can't, we are incapable. We cannot Nothing. see what is happening because we so want it to be the other way. Let's talk about Kevin Durant. This is Let's amazing get to news. It. So, so, um, 
as far as I can tell, given, you know, Spaghetti's little chat over here, uh, Kyrie Irving said, okay, I'm coming back. Texted Durant, like, let's, how are we going to, who do we want to be the third piece? How are we going to work this out? And Durant said, who dis? Who, 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 like, Durant's like, I don't have any desire to play with you. <laughs> so this is, this is the, be- this is the, the great, moving into not the third act, but the late second act of Kyrie Irving's career. Nobody wants to be around you. You're such a fucking pain in the ass. You're completely indifferent on defense. You are a once a generation offensive player who just has too many possessions where you don't give a shit. So everyone's figured out uh, you don't help. You don't help get to the promised land. So Durant, who I consider the ultimate coward, you know how I feel about Durant. Durant said, I'm going to go to a 73-win team to collect my rings. I'm going to go to a team that won 73 games. That's where I think I'm most needed. So it's the laziest, like, um, oh, I'm obviously going to win, you know, as many championships as I'm healthy for. This is going to make the league super boring. Okay, I enjoy your rings. Delighted that the Warriors won without you before you got there. Well, but I have to interrupt because you said this a week or two ago and I didn't step in then and you were praised on social media after the fact by listeners for your take on Katie. I say this about it. His mistake wasn't going to Golden State. It was leaving Golden State because what he did by going there was he became the best player on the dynasty of the generation. That in that enhanced his profile for all of time. I didn't think it was crazy to do that. People said, oh, he was ring chasing and Magic Johnson and Larry Bird didn't have to do that. Well, we we obviously know that Magic Johnson happened to fall into the lap of the Lakers and then James Worthy did right after that and Kareem was already on the team, so he didn't have to do anything to do that. Birds is a little more respectable the way that all goes down, but it's it's kind of the same thing. In that age, pre-free agency, you didn't have to. Your team was your team, and if you were on, uh, if you were surrounded by talent, KD was getting to a place where he needed to get to a spot. You know, Russell Westbrook was gone. James Harden was gone. I, I, I didn't resent KD doing it. His mistake was leaving it and then winning without him because then it does call into question his value historically and to that team in particular. Anyway, continue your overall uh, rant. Sorry. So so when Spaghetti sends the, the chat, he, he says he wants to go to the Suns. KD wants to go to the Suns. So this is awesome. This is awesome. You talk about character. Um, you know, if Katie could play golf, we obviously know what tour he would play on. Uh, so Katie, uh, there's no 73 win team to go get your ring. So he, he's like, looks at the landscape and goes, well, who was the prohibitive favorite, uh, to win the title when the playoffs started? Oh, the Suns, but they got COVID. All right, cool. Well, I'm uh, vaccinated. So I'll go get, I'll go get another ring with the Suns. That sounds good. Like, I don't even know, like, what is the point of competition? Like, what drives you? What motivates you? Like, when you're at the gym and you go, okay, guys, let's pick teams. Let's pick teams. Uh, okay, you want to pick first? No, 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 I don't want to pick first. I want to pick first through fifth. So I'm going to pick my guys. I'll get my team. And then you guys you guys can just take, you know, from you five, whatever. Like, you, I mean, I would go to, like, my post college basketball life was I would play in the Dartmouth faculty game from noon to two 30. And then the students would start coming in around two 45. And then I would play in the student game from three to five 30. So I play five and a half hours of basketball a day. It's a good life. 
And you would occasionally be like the off season. And then the Dartmouth basketball team would come down and go like, yeah, we got next. Uh, you're college basketball players. You're going to play together. You don't want to, you don't want to split up a couple, like you're, your 19-year-old college basketball players who are playing a, against engineering students. This is fun for you. This is fun for you. You're going to, oh, you're going to hold the court? You're going to hold the court all day. Wow, good for you. Like, I just don't understand why you wouldn't want to challenge yourself. Uh, maybe he knows, maybe he's aware of what Jason Tatum just did to him, and he knows he just has to be a spare part. To get another I win. get it, but it's but like I say, pre-free agency. If you happen to be born into the right situation, you never have to worry about that. So speaking I, of I that, speaking of that, you know, I loved Winning Time. I mean, I just McKay. They did so many cool things on that. They really that was special. Um, He's the best. What? McKay is M- McKay is in terms of making movies and now in the TV series and all that. I think. Unless I'm forgetting somebody, like to me, he's he's the number one. He's made the best comedies of of uh, the millennium and beyond. Walks and on made walk. impactful Walks on political made, statements. Made, me, uh, well. made me love the Lakers. Come on, there's there's a feat. So, um, but so you know, you need stories. You need stories and stakes and drama and what's going to happen and is it going to be you know is it going to be McKinney? Is it going to who's going to coach you? Is it going to be Tarkanian? Is it going to be Jerry West? How's this going to happen? You know, and it's this big drama that that you know goes through the whole first season. And um, you know, I was really I was really pushing with Simmons about Curry's ascendance into the top ten. I'm like, come on, this guy has completely revolutionized the game. We got to we got to get Curry into the top ten, and 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 Simmons does have him in the top ten. I think he has him tied with Kobe, and I would actually I would nudge him ahead of Kobe. Maybe that's personal bias, but anyway. Um, but Simmons goes, "Here's my new list," and he texts me his new list, and I think it goes, I think Jabbar is four and Magic is five, or maybe the other way around. But basically. That Lakers team has two of the top five players of all time. And I was I was trying to explain to Heather, like, all this drama about who coaches the team, irrelevant. Irrelevant. I mean, you talk about driving an NFL team 70 yards from the 30-yard line. Uh, we all would have won some rings. You have two of the five best players. <laughs> what what could we possibly have done to prevent that team from winning championships? What would if we just we said everybody drink before the game. Like, what could we have done to prevent Kareem and Magic and then Worthy? Like, it's so insane how loaded that team was. But organic they had a perimeter, a perimeter shooter who in in a it's not as impressive uh, to young people watching NBA basketball in the 21st century. But Byron Scott was one of the few guys who was legit uh, great three point shooter, and he's well, yeah he's uh, the, Michael, he's the fourth Cooper. option on the floor. Right. Michael Cooper invented the three and D position, three and D, just burying three pointers and locking down whoever he that, guards. Uh, so. We talk about that. I'd say if you can be a, a one dimensional, two dimensional kind of player, that's the the funny um, sort of paradox of guys who Kurt Rambis is the example I always use is like he couldn't make the rotation of any mediocre NBA team, but he could start for the best team in the NBA because you could limit it. Like, we only need you to do one thing, man. Don't try any other bullshit because we got that covered. You just go in there and bang with the other team a little bit. That's spaghetti, a- what, spaghetti, what happened to the odds? 
Well, the Suns, as of now on FanDuel, the Suns uh, are tied with the Warriors at plus 600. The Clippers are plus 650. The Bucks and Celtics are at plus 700. So that's but they the didn't make a are. deal yet, did they? No, but it seems like as long as Durant says he's interested, then it seems like you know he's going to kind of dictate where he goes. Um, the Heat hmm. are apparently interested, and I also saw that the Dallas Mavericks are making a push for him. Obviously, they think that Jalen Brunson will no longer stay with the team, so it seems like I said, KD wants the Suns, but you have two other teams in the mix. Hmm. Interesting you know, I, stuff. I saw, uh, I think it was, I think Spaghetti, I don't know if Spaghetti texted us, but like uh, the Brunson to the Knicks, uh, I don't know if that's in process, but Brunson strikes me to Sheck's point, not quite Kurt Rampus, because Brunson's a very nice player. But if Brunson has to move from option two, to the guy, I think his limitations are going to be exposed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, you see this happen all the time. Like, yeah, they're, like we talked about with uh, with uh, Cohen Brothers characters realizing too late that they're out of their depth. That's exactly what the Knicks are going to do by purposely bringing in Brunson there. Gangbusters time as usual uh, with the great Kevin Hench. We'll talk to you when you return from your international travels across the Atlantic. Thanks, fellas. Thank Happy you. Happy Independence Day. There he goes. Off to uh, the UK. By the way, coming back to the UK, from the UK to LA for one last go round, our longtime pal, handsome Hank Hodgson, before he goes back to that continent to make hay, spread the good word of pro football. We wish him nothing but the best. One of our very favorite guys in our adult years, obviously, and uh, professionally. What a great time we've had with Handsome Hank. And like I say, um, you know, one of the good uh, one of the good guys you'll ever cross paths with, not just professionally, but in life. And, uh, you know, proud of him and, and all that stuff. Not that he's hearing this now. I highly doubt he's, he's slogged through our conversation here today. But I uh, wanted to get that on the record as he ships out to, um, to better days ahead for himself professionally. And uh, getting back with his kin is never a bad call to get to mix it up. And speaking of kin, very quickly, I um, want to mention on, uh, uh, I'm now writing my new pal sidelines.io. You can track it down on social media. Um, I'm now a writer. I'm, I'm making pages once again, Eddie Spaghetti, and I did it, and it's all about the meaning of sports and how it impacts your life, your time with your family and friends. We talked about it a lot a month ago when your Rangers were making a deep playoff run. So you can, uh, in fact, it kind of did inspire my writing there. So go check that one out, and um, and I guess that's that. So go off. We'll be... We have some good stuff planned for you. Make sure I'm, I'm towing the line here right and laying out things, Spaghetti. As we wrap up this week, next week is July 4th week. There will be lots of fresh content for you on Extra Points, the show and the network. We'll have two shows for you next week with one of the greats in fantasy football. It is high time we start getting into fantasy football talk, and we're doing it with the Hall of Famer, Michael Fabiano. So look forward to not one but two shows, deep diving with Fabiano, plus some Kevin Hench for you as well. So we got all our bases covered on, on those fronts for you. So make sure you're on the lookout as you're barbecuing or otherwise eating ice cream, going into an ocean or a lake or into a river or into a swimming pool, whatever your choice is there. Um, you can get, uh, you can get 
the luxurious voices of Hench and Spaghetti and Damashek in your ears to participate celebrating with you. So be on the lookout for that. And in the meantime, if you are putting a little something on baseball or some um, NFL win totals or otherwise, make sure you do it. FanDuel.com slash minus three to help your pals out over here. And until next week, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.